0: You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Good morning, everyone. We've been in this series called Road Trip uh, for a variety of reasons. We're talking about how to hear God's voice and make decisions on the road trip of life. But we also did this road trip series because we are moving and we're taking a road trip. uh, And we're actually going to take a road trip today. I'll explain here in a little bit. But this uh, series has been kind of stretched out longer than usual because of the uh, the pace of the move and, and kind of how it's uh, going. As far as the move-in day, we don't know. We know that it's going to be within the next two to three weeks. So that's a pretty good... I mean, we can pretty much say it will be within the next two to three weeks. Uh, so anybody want to praise God for that? Oh. Okay. Uh, but we don't know when. So it's uh, these next few weeks are going to be very strange. We've got Youth camp with a bunch of people being gone. We've got our Haiti mission trip. There's going to be some people gone. Uh, we've got different. I, I'm going to be going to uh, um, to speak in uh, at the, in the prison with the prison ministry at a prison on Sunday, August 6th. So it's going to be very strange these next few weeks. So um, we anticipated moving earlier, but and that we would be kind of in our space at this time. So everybody's flexible, right? Yeah. All right. It's summertime. It's going to be strange, but we're moving. Uh, Well, I'm excited today as we wrap up the road series today, we're faced with uh, the greatest tool of knowing and understanding the will of God on the road trip of life. Now, the greatest tool in our toolbox of the road trip of life is going to be shared today, probably the most important thing. Now, if you want to know what it is, then you need to go to this. It's the manual. Who has a manual for their car? Yeah, who, who has one? Raise your hand. This is a little survey. If you haven't, okay, keep it up real high. Now, if you've read it, put your hand down. Okay, so some of you have read it. So some of you have not read it. You know, those that have not read it, put it down. We should have done it the other way, shouldn't we? Put your hand up if you have one. Now, keep your hand up if you've read it. Yeah, it looks scary. <laughs> all right, now we've all, maybe if you've ever had your first car, you read it a little bit. You look in, and it tells you things about, you know, the, the oil and, you know, the, the brake fluid, you know, things that you don't always see in cars nowadays, you know, and how they do things. The electronics a little bit different. But you look into it: how to control the windows, how to control the the radio, the, the satellite radio, or, or the... GPS system or just how to take a seat out depending on what kind of vehicle you have. So you got this manual and uh, uh, you know, funny thing is, all cars come with it. It's the manufacturer uh, instruction booklet on how to use that car. And if you've ever gone on a road trip, you need to probably look at the manual because you might have an overheating issue. You might have a flat tire and the, the manual will tell you how to get your tire out. Some of you guys you don't even know how to get your tire out of the car. You're like, where is my tire? It's underneath. You know, some cars, they have it underneath. And you got to crawl into there and, and detach it. It's like, well, the manual has all that instruction. If I were uh, to tell you if there was a manual on our road trip live, we'd all say it's the what? It's the Bible. The Bible is the manual for the road trip of life. And many of us, we try to travel this road trip of life without ever digging into the manual, ever. We just kind of wing it like most of us do when we get a new car, a new item, or new device that comes with a manual. We're like, I got this. Most of the guys do that. Women are like, oh, it's confusing. And then they do it on their own. Girls at least attempt to read the manual. And some of them, they're great at it. Guys, we don't read manuals very good, do we? We don't need no stinking manual, right? Uh, We just get in and we just deal with it. Well, unfortunately, we have the same attitude towards the Bible. But if I were to sum up the owner's manual, the Bible, the, the most foundational, most important tool or instruction to start a road trip, it would be this. It would be fear, specifically the fear of God. Uh, we have got to understand this if we're going to travel the road trip of life. So we're going to dive into this whole idea of the fear of God. Today's message is called Scared Straight. And we are going to hopefully walk out of here with a greater sense of the fear of God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 says this. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, that's understanding of life, For understanding the words of insight, that's discernment. Uh, For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, that's how to live. Doing what is right, just, and fair, that is in working with others. Uh, For giving prudence to those that are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, that's giving counsel. To uh, And giving advice to others, let the wise listen and add to their learning. By the way, wise people grow in their wisdom and understanding versus people who feel like they have arrived and don't have much to learn anymore. He says, let the wise listen and add to the learning. Let the discerning get guidance. That's direction for life, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. That's discerning what others say and write. Here's the deal. How do we do all this? How do we understand life, get discernment? How do we know how to live? How do we learn how to work with others? How do we give counsel? And how do we receive counsel? How do we grow? How do we find direction in our life? How do we get discernment over what we read and what people say? How do we do it? How do we achieve all that? He says right here, the very next verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some translations say it's the foundation of of true knowledge. In fact, the NLT says the, begin, uh, the the fear of God is the beginning of understanding, all right? So if you want to understand how to do all this, where all this comes from, it begins right here. Step one, fear of the Lord. It does not say love is the first step. It doesn't say that the love of God is the beginning of, of discernment and direction and help and hope and a future. And it says the fear of God. If I were to sum up the number one message of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, the number one message of the Bible is not God loves you, though that is true. The Bible even says that God is love. The number one message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in almost every single book is Fear of God. Fear of God. Let's look at some of those verses. Proverbs 9 says, Proverbs, by the way, talks about it a lot, so we're going to look at a lot of those. Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all those uh, all those who do His commands. Proverbs 16, 6, By fearing the Lord you will avoid evil. That means if you fear the Lord, you will avoid being stupid, all right? You're going to avoid poor choices. Uh, it's better to be poor and fear the Lord than to be wealthy and have much trouble. That means fear the Lord helps you make wise financial choices. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied and happy untouched by trouble. I and mean, you want a good night's rest you want to be able to say goodbye to the stress and the frustration of life and where you're going or what you're doing and need direction. You want to be able to lay your bed, uh, lay in your bed at night and rest. The fear of the Lord is how that happens. Verse uh, 14, 27, Proverbs, the fear of the Lord gives life. It's like a fountain of water that can save people from death. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord will bring you wealth, honor, and life. Proverbs 10, 27, whoever fears the Lord will live a long life, but an evil person will have his life cut short. Step one on the road trip of life, the most important thing you'll ever learn in your entire life, the fear of God. You know, at 13, I became a Christian, and I've been trying to figure this out. Well, in my early days of my Christian life, I was trying to figure this out. The big question is how? Does someone, how do I, how do you, how do we love God and fear God at the same time? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, you only fear God if you're not a Christian. You're not supposed to fear him if you are a Christian. That's not true. You are to fear God whether you're a Christian or not. Now you have a different type of fear if you're not a Christian. But I, I always was caught with this dilemma. How do I fear God and love God at the same time? i scared straight. There's something to be afraid of. We're going to take a look at this issue through one character in the Bible. His name is Jeremiah. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1. It was a time of change and unrest. Uh, Nationally, there was just all kinds of trouble going on. Uh, It was 625 B.C. Israel is bankrupt in bondage and in fear for their future. God shows up and talks to Jeremiah. Verse 1 says, the words of Jeremiah. Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I pointed you as a prophet to the nation. Now, the nation is in crisis, but God says before all of this happened, before the nation went to crazy town, before everything fell apart in your life and in this world's life, I had my eye on you. Before you were born, I picked you for something great. So verse 6, alas, sovereign Lord, that's what Jeremiah says, Jerry says. He says, I do... Uh, not, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. He says, sovereign Lord, God, I know you know all things, but I bet you don't know I'm a terrible speaker. God, I know you know everything, but I bet you don't know that I'm young. But the Lord says to me, do not say I'm too young. Basically, don't tell me no. Uh, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Listen to this. Don't be afraid of them forever. I am with you and will rescue you, says the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down and to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. He says, Jeremiah, Jerry, this is big, man. He says, I'm talking national influence. I'm talking uprooting powerful people and powers and rebuilding a broken system and people. Verse 11 through 16, God says that there's going to be a great disaster that's going to come and that God's going to use Jerry to help people through it. And he says, are you ready? Verse 16 and 17, uh, verse 17 picks up. He says, get yourself ready. Check this out. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. What? That's a threat. Either do what I say, or I will terrorize you. What? God threatened him? Basically, says, don't whine about it, or I'll give you something to whine about. Right? That's a biblical phrase. Who knew? But I thought God was nice. I thought he never, like, did things like that. Today, he says... I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. He says, you're going to be like a mighty, unshakable, powerful tower. And you're going to be like a great wall. And he says, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. He says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So for the next 40 years, Jeremiah was the mouthpiece of God. And it all began with a threat. It all began with, follow me, or I will terrify you and jeremiah starts off with god thanks but no thanks and god says oh wait a minute let me remind you i'm god you're not you see fear of god was a powerful motivator for jeremiah jeremiah didn't go hey god showed up hey jeremiah i've got a great mission for you sign me up here i am willing and able no he gave god all these examples i can't speak you know i'm I'm too young you know, and, and besides God, man, it's, man, the world is crazy. What are they going to do to me? And God says, hey, I got you covered. Don't be afraid of them or I will terrify you. It's like, whoa, it began with a threat. Here's Jeremiah later. He got this. Jeremiah 5, 21 says, hear this, you foolish and senseless people. And you wonder why people didn't like him. He starts off with, could you imagine if I'm the pastor uh, today, Um, All you stupid people, open up to Jeremiah chapter 1. All you foolish and stupid people. I don't think people would come to church anymore. He says, hear this, you foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see. You have ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord. Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea. An everlasting barrier cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God, who gives autumn and spring and rains and season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. He says to them, you know what the root of all your problems are, people? You don't fear God. Because you have said, let us not fear God, everything else is just falling apart. The creator of all things and all power says, the problem is you don't fear me anymore. Now, I have a question. Are we really to fear God? You need to understand a couple of terms. He starts off Jeremiah's conversation with the Lord. He starts off with... uh, O sovereign Lord. So I want to give you a couple of uh of terms, a couple of understandings on the words sovereignty and the word fear. The word sovereignty means to have absolute rule without question, limitations, or opposition. It's one of the core attributes of God. He is fully in charge. God is not just the man upstairs, He's not just the boss, He is the creator of all things and at all times fully in charge, and nothing, nothing that God desires can be stopped. Nothing that he wills can be thwarted. Nothing that God wants to do can be stopped by us or our lack of us doing certain things. He is sovereign and in charge of all things. He is without limitations and without opposition. But the problem is, is that Jeremiah does exactly what we do. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, God who can do anything. I can't speak very well. And I'm too young. He says exactly what we do. We do the same thing. We pray, dear Lord, dear father in heaven, king, master. We use the terms without the buy-in. What we really mean is dear Lord, dear being, who I think might be up there, who I pretend to love, but most often take advantage of. Here's a list. We've missed what that means to truly understand his sovereignty. And the second word he uses is fear. And this is the what I want to hang on this morning is fear. It's the it's the Hebrew word uh, yare, which means to be terrified, to tremble, to be scared, to be in terror. Growing up, I was always told that the fear of God meant to just respect God, just meant to have a reverence, oh, uh, Father. You know, it just is, oh, God, it's just reverence. If we just had reverence, if we sit our prayers with thee, we come before thee, let thy kingdom come. You know, we don't really talk in Old English, but somehow when we talk in Old English, it sounds reverent. And whenever there's Bible stories, they always have British people because British people's voices sound better than us Americans. Or should I say us Americans? But sometimes we, un- we misunderstand. We grow up thinking that, that fear means to just respect or have reverence, but it's much more than that. Fear of God means many things. It means to be afraid. It means to have an incredible amount of respect and honor that leads you to awe and reverence, which means a highly esteeming issue that you do not in any way ever take God lightly. That's what it means to fear God. Fear of God is essential to the healthy understanding of God and to life. Here's a few more verses. Deuteronomy 5, 29 says, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. You want things better in your house? You want your family to kind of get it together? The, the, the first step is not church. That's just a tool. The first step to healing in your marriage and home and your family with your kids is the fear of God. Deuteronomy 10:12 Now Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Jesus quoted that as one of the great commands. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, all who have been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, he says, if of everything I've ever written, of all the wise things ever written down in Proverbs and by me in Ecclesiastes, of everything I've ever learned and experienced in life, he said, it all comes down to this one conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 18 talks about what happens when God is not at the center. Trouble follows those who do not fear God. So you might say, well, I don't understand because 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And you're saying that I need to have fear? Well, that verse in Timothy is a reference to the fear of man and to the fear of life, the fear of things in this life. We are to have a godly spirit led fear of God. And I'm not talking about just a runes, but I'm talking about a truly, uh, a true sense of awe and wonder and terror of a God who is able to do all things, but at the same time, a gentle, loving hand. Scared straight, be afraid. What do we be afraid of? Well, we are to be afraid of God's position. We are to be afraid. He is our father and our friend, but don't forget who that friend is. You know, at our house, we like to joke around with our kids a lot. We joke around, we play around, we we, we kind of goof off, And but you know, sometimes as a parent, you have to draw a line, don't you, sometimes, where it becomes playful and it turns a little bit into disrespectful. And we have to say, oh, wait a minute, let's put the bricks on there because there's a little line that's crossed. Right, we understand that there's a line, but what happens is, as Christians, we think, "Man, God's my friend. He's my father. He's my daddy. Oh, he's the big guy upstairs. He's the boss. He's the landlord." And we all of a sudden, this reverence and respect turns into just this kind of, eh, he's God. What can you do for me?" type of attitude. But we are to be fearful of his of his position. Did you know that there will be fear in heaven? Fear of God in heaven. In Revelation 15, giving a glimpse of the future, it describes the victorious, redeemed, untold people, This the host of those that have been victoriously uh, saved. And they're all around the throne declaring this, great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, king of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord? And bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. In eternity future, when we see God face to face, our fear will be magnified. It will be so much that will cause us to be in praise and worship and humility and brokenness and in awe. For it is his authority that is able to both redeem and to condemn. The second thing we're to be afraid of is we are to be afraid of God's power. Not only his position, respectful of his position in, in, in all of that, but his power. His omnipotent, omniscient, mighty, forceful, justice hand. God cannot be strong or manipulated, tricked, or pressured. Some of you have forgotten the fear of God, and we need, get, and we need to get back to Philippians 2.12, which says we ought to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That means take it serious. When you stand before God, don't take it lightly. We are to work out. We are to, to pursue this relationship with God with a sense of fear and trembling out of Philippians chapter 2, I've added uh, many verses in your notes to for you to read up on this idea a little bit more and to be in fear and in awe and wonderment and, and humility before the power of God in Revelation 4 as they declare around the throne, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That is a declaration that God is the creator of all who is good and just and to be feared and loved. Isaiah, 6, 1 through 8. He says, I have come undone standing before the throne. He says, Woe is me. I am overwhelmed with awe and fear. There's this sense, guys, listen, reality check. Whoever you are, every person in this room will have a day with God. All of you have a destiny date with God. And doesn't matter how old you are, if you're a young person or a senior. You will stand before God, every person in this room, and you will either have a great experience where the Father welcomes you or it will be a king who is giving a just judgment upon a rebellious heart. But we will all stand there, and our initial responses might vary after the first response that we will all have, and that is fear. doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter whether you're right with God or not. We will all stand before God with a sense of fear and trembling and woe. And then God will say to those that are redeemed, it's all right, I got you. My son is who I see when I see you. But without that declaration of faith of Jesus in your life, that fear will continue to a deeper, deeper sense of judgment and fear of everlasting judgment. We will all stand before God with fear and trembling. Well, that's the Father. So we say, well, not Jesus, right? We're not supposed to be afraid of Jesus. Sometimes, many of us, we treat God like the Wizard of Oz, trembling until the curtain is pulled back to reveal a nice, meek, kind man who gives gifts and floats around in air balloons. We think, well, the God of the Old Testament, man, he's the He's the big, booming, loud, mean voice, the unveiled wizard. But then Jesus is the man behind the curtain who's passive and loves and gives out good gifts and floats around. But let me tell you something. God has not changed, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is the same one who calls us to understand the great fear of God. What we like to do is we like to look at the manual and go, fear of God, nah, I don't like that page. And I don't like that page on fear either. And then we're like, all right, so I want all the benefits of God's word without that page or two on fear. And then as we're reading up, there's another one on fear. I'm gonna get that rid of too. And we do the same thing. Oh, Jesus, that's New Testament. Old Testament, that's fear. New Testament, that's love. That's just, that's the hippie Jesus, right? And we do the same thing when it comes to God's word, when it comes to fear. But look at Luke chapter 12, 1 through 12. Jesus is speaking to the crowd when he gets to verse 4. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do more. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are they going to do to my body after I'm dead? <laughs> you know, they might kill me cut me up into pieces or put me in a furnace or burn me. He says, don't be afraid of what they can do to your body. He says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus doesn't, that doesn't show up in the kids' beginner Bibles, does it? (laughs) He says, don't fear people, but I'll give you something to fear. My father. Oh, and by the way, he says, my father and I, we're one. You should be terrified of the one who can cast you into hell. God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of people, fear God. Jesus tells us the exact same thing. By the way, why are we so afraid of people? Now, I can't help but think back to my first day of first grade. Anybody remember your first day of first grade? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but, you know, I see these kids go to first grade. The, maybe I can think maybe my first day in, my, in freshman in high school, right? And the whole, man, our whole life is like the first day of first grade. We're so afraid of what it's going to be like to be away from mom and dad and to be around people and to be around big people, to be around big kids. We're so afraid. We're so worried. Man, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And billions of years after being in heaven, someone's going to say, hey, do you remember what it was like the first day you went to first grade? I'm like, I think I wore a hat. I don't really remember much seems like a big deal at the time. We put so much investment on the fear of man here. God says, don't be afraid of people here, but you should be afraid of God. If you're still not convinced, read Hebrews 10, 26, 29, where the writer says that we are to be fearful of judgment and raging fire of those who trample on Jesus because they will be judged. And then it goes on to say in Hebrews 12, 28, he says, why? Because God is a consuming fire. A loving God, hell, really? That doesn't sound really nice. That doesn't sound like the God is love kind of, that doesn't sound like the, the hippie Jesus that we all supposed to be talking about. God does not want you to go to hell, my friend. In fact, he gave his life through Jesus Christ to redeem us from the bondage of our sin. God says, you have to go over my son's dead body to get to hell. But unfortunately, some people do. Some Christians have grown so negligent of the fear of God that they kind of wink at their sin. They wink at God. They treat God like a distant relative, a casual friend, a guiding counselor, or the big guy upstairs, but no fear. See, there's only two options when it comes to this. You will either fear man or you will fear God. That's the only options you have in life. You will either walk in the fear and concern of worry of every person around you, parents, boss, job, career, mentor, counselor, whatever. You will either walk in in fear of man and their expectations, and there will be anxiety on your life, your entire life as you try to please people, or you can fear God. Let me tell you something, a lot of people, because humbling yourself before God means a a laying down of your life, they choose the fear of man. If you don't fear God, you will fear someone or something, and they call the shots. And if it's other than Jesus, you have the fear of man. They are your functional Lord and King, even if you say Jesus is Lord. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So who do you fear? So stop ripping the pages out of the manual, and I want to end with this thought. Why fear? Why not just love? A couple of things. Number one, the fear of God reflects his love for us. That little sword fits perfectly into that outlet, doesn't it? So when we see that little child and, and we don't go, uh, excuse me, could you not do that? We go, no, Right? That little finger's heading towards that hot stove. No! And they're like, oh. We're not, we don't feel bad that they're scared out of their wits, right? That they jump out of their skin. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry I scared you. No, stay away from it. I love you enough to scare you to stay away from that. Playing in the street, a car is coming. We don't go, hey, guys, could you, car's coming. Could you move it? We go, move, move. Hey, get out of the way, car coming, right? And we're not worried about whether they're going to be mad at us or scared or or their heart's going to be beating fast. No, it's our love that motivates to scare them to move. See, fear reflects his love for us. When our child is out past curfew with friends that are questionable, when they're sitting in a car alone on a date, you get firm you have one of those come to Jesus moments and you want the fear of God in them and I hope they jump out of their skin. That's my kids. Your kids, on the other hand, it's natural that I'm gonna care for your kids, but I'm more passionate about my kids, right? I might, might, you know, look out for your kids because we're a community of faith, we're family, but there's something about Our kids. And you know what God says? You're my kid. And I want to show you how much I love you by giving you moments of anxiety. (laughs) Right? Fear is God's love helping us with boundaries. It keeps us safe on a date, keeping you pure, as God says through his word loud and clear, stop. It keeps us safe, husband and wife, when you're away from your family on a work trip. God's manual, the fear of God says, stop. Psalm 14, 26, 27 says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and their children will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. If I knew tomorrow for a fact something bad was going to happen to you, I would try to paint a fearful picture for you to avoid that. Let me give you an example. My sweet summer, uh, she loves, and Noel love to go to the lake. There's this swing in this creek. It's not a lake, it's a crick. Right. And depending on how much it rains is how many tires and garbage there is in it. Right. And there's a swing and it can jump off it. And who knows how long that swing's been there. And if the last person to swing on it's going to be the last person that swings on it. Right. And so as they're heading out the door, I'll tell Summer, I'll go, Summer, Google snake bites to the face. Have a good day. She's like, Dad. I'm like, no, serious. Google snake bites to the face before you get in that creek, and then you decide if you want to get in that creek kind of thing. She's like, <laughs> Like, you're freaking me out. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> it's the same with God. A healthy fear of God should drive us to God, not a way to help us, to protect you. I'll tell you what. If I'm driving 30, if I'm driving 16 to 30, I'm trembling at the sight of a police officer. I fear the ticket. But I also know that if chaos breaks out, the safest place to be is the nearest police department. The fear that drives them away is also the one that drives me too. A healthy fear of God should drive us to God, not away, because we understand that he's there to help us, to protect us, to to provide for our future, to keep us safe. The fear of God protects and provides. Jeremiah understood this as he writes in Jeremiah 32, 38. He says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me, and that all will go, uh, that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. You feared God more, things might be a little different in your house. Verse 40 I will make an everlasting covenant with them if they do what? If they fear the Lord. And I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me. He says, Man, I'm gonna even give more fear, right? More sense of reverence and awe of who I am. I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. And I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in a land with all my heart and soul. You see, the fear of God leads to God's loving provision. God wants you to fear him because it's going to lead you to a life secure in and guided by him. The life we were created for begins with the fear of the Lord. Here's another reason why we fear is the fear of God humbles us. It humbles us, resulting in a submission to the Father. I have this phrase, the fear brings humility. Humility brings brokenness. Brokenness brings a teachable heart. A teachable heart brings direction, clarity, and confidence. The thing gives us a heart of gratitude and freedom, and it all begins with humility. Another reason why we have the fear of God, based on the verses that we've read already, is that the fear of God reminds us of our need, resulting in a realization of our sin. When we stand before a holy God and we stand with fear and trembling, we respond just like Isaiah, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. I am a sinner. When we understand the awe and the reverence and the power of God, it reminds us of our need. I see the holiness of God, and I see my sin, and I think, man, I'm broken. God, I need you. I'm hurting. I understand that I need help, which leads us to why fear. The next one is that the fear of God points us to the cross. Resulting in our salvation. You see, when we say, God, woe is me. God, I'm so sorry. God, forgive me. God says, hey, look over there. I took the wrath. I took the judgment. Jesus. See, the fear of God points to the cross resulting in our salvation. The fear of God is vital. When we understand the fear factor, we understand his power and his grace, his might and his will, his love and his protection. So how do we respond to all this? We're gonna leave with this and then we're going to actually take a quick trip for those that can make it. We need to recognize the power and position of God, be humbled before this almighty creator. We need to acknowledge his grace and provision and walk in gratitude of his grace and love. When we respond to the fear of God with brokenness and humility, it leads us to a life of liberty and freedom and love and compassion. I can truly love my father and be fearful at the same time. It's that fear that gives me a reminder that he is able to redeem and condemn, but he loves me enough to send his son. So you need wisdom on this road trip of life? Stop ripping out pages and start with page one fear of God is the beginning of understanding and wisdom and direction in your life. The manual says, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.